Big thank you to those who have already led us this morning. Isn't it wonderful to get to be in worship to God? And I don't think leaders realize how important that is. I mean, I know that we do, but uh, but still, at the same time, we we undervalue our own part in that a lot of times. And uh, and to those who have led this morning, thank you so much for the work that you do for God's people here in our worship to God and trying to help us to do that the best that we possibly can, both with our heart as well as our outward actions, is truly a, a blessing. We have been uh, intermittently talking about the church for the last few weeks. I don't know if you've made note of that or not. Uh, Several of us who are preachers here have continually brought that to our mind in various ways. It's uh, divine establishment. It's divine relationships. You know, we're an active body of Christ. Talked about how we're a body. We talked about how it is that we are branches within the vine. And we talked about how it is that we are a family of God. And all of these are represented in the New Testament. And how it is that we are, to, uh, we are to not just adhere to the things that we see about the New Testament church, but we are to be those things that are described in the New Testament church as well. And we have divine directives, and that's what I've been centering on for the last couple of weeks. And uh, for those who may not have been able to be here for that, we talked about the church uh, of the New Testament and how it is that we are to replicate that that entity, that church that we see there in the New Testament. Our purpose, our interest, our, our entrance, our organization, all of those things should be found in the New Testament. I'll just say to you very quickly, for those who may not be part of this congregation or maybe new members of this congregation, just very briefly, that if you cannot find what we do in the New Testament, then we might think about stop doing it. That, it, that we are to be this church that we see in the New Testament. And I'm talking about with principle, that is to say with the way that we go about our worship. And, and not talking about the time in which we partake of the Lord's Supper. Those things are left up to us. But the fact that we take the Lord's Supper, the fact that we worship the way that we do, should be biblically inspired. In other words, we should be able to find that in the New Covenant doctrines of Christ. And then we talked about how it is that we're to be a a part of this great commission of Christ. Our purpose is not just to exist. Our purpose is also to cause others who see us, hear us, know us, to want to be part of the great thing God has given in his family, the church, and more importantly, even in him, that is to be in a safe state with him. And that should be, Matthew chapter 28 describes, that should be the purpose of every Christian after we become a Christian. That's why we continue to exist. I know we enjoy all of the frills of life, and there's nothing wrong with that. I enjoy my children, my grandchildren. I enjoy uh, you all as friends and family as well. Uh, There's many things in this life that we can enjoy, but our primary focus and what permeates all of those relationships is the relationship we have with Jesus Christ and His desire to make all that we know become children of God themselves. Our desire is to be for God what God has left us here to be after becoming children of His. Today we're going to consider what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, as Brother Jamie has already indicated, rightly so. In fact, the, the, the songs almost just laid out our lesson for us, one right after the other, ending with the last thing we'll look at this morning in, in Peter's text, love like the last song was talking about. And so I really appreciate uh, his work in that area as well. And and you should as well, because it brings God's worship together in one and in harmony with itself. And we're able to focus like this, uh, as we're going to do today, more uh, more correctly, more appropriately to God 
grow in various ways is Peter's lesson to us today. A divine directive for growth from the Apostle Peter. Peter's teaching is going to emphasize some safeguards for us, both individual Christians as well as us as a church. We're going to spend some time talking about that this morning, and, and I hope that it will keep, us, uh, it will keep our, our bearings in check uh, so that there are no casualties uh, with it when it comes to Satan's continued and, and ongoing onslaught against those who are God's people. And to realize that that's going on is a helpful thing for us when we realize what can I do to make it even better for God's cause, God's purpose. How can I ensure both myself and others to be what God wants so that Satan does not take us captive? I, uh, I, I would be amiss if I didn't say thanks for being here today, everybody. Uh, and if uh, those joining us online, thank you for those guys being here, uh, being with us as well. And we welcome everyone online also. And, uh, and I would invite you to continue what you started this morning. If you're not used to doing that, really would in, I, would, I would advise it, but I would really invite you to consider it. And that is that you're here this evening for our continued worship. You know, I sometimes say the Lord's day of worship is the Lord's day of worship. And sometimes we, we think we're okay considering it's the Lord's morning of worship. I suppose that you're checkboxing, and that's fine, but, but we can do more, and we should do more when we can. And I would just advise, I would really, uh, I really entreat you uh, to be here this evening. If, if you're able to be, it's not always possible, but if you can, sure love for you to be here. And I think you'll be surprised if you're not used to doing it, what it's like to end your day of worship the way you started it. There's just an addition to that. It's just a better thing. And, uh, and I hope that you'll, uh, that you'll be part of that this evening at 5 o'clock. Uh, Brother Loomis will be speaking to us uh, among the other aspects of our worship. Brother Loomis will get, guide us in a study, positive aspects of our mission for Christ. That's something that every Christian should want to know something about. Positive aspects in our mission to Jesus, uh, for Jesus Christ. Uh, but this morning, we're looking at divine directives from Peter. What would you say to brethren if you had the chance to give them one last word before you left this world? What would be the thing, like you had one address to give to your brethren in Christ, what would you say to those brethren? Well, I, I suppose that it depends on what's going on in that congregation, right? But generally speaking, what do you think you might say? Would it be words of condemnation? Would it be words of encouragement? Would it be both? Peter, looking at this with this question, as we look at it, to try to answer it from the text today, Peter is addressing the, the readers uh, from a particular perspective. It's worth noting. You know, Peter was not just a preacher. Peter was also an apostle. Peter was not just an apostle and a preacher. Peter was also a shepherd in the Lord's church. He's addressing this maybe from a perspective that most of us would never do uh, or, or, or be able to think about, uh, but maybe we should think about. I mean, what is it that we need to hear in Peter's last words, some of the last words we have record of, in, of Peter in this letter? Peter is unmistakable in what it is he has said, I'm going to get this across in this letter. By the help of Christ and through His inspiration, these are the things that are most important that I need to leave when I go. 
in the position that he had within the kingdom. And it's unmistakable. Look at verse 10 of chapter 1 there. First Peter, I'm sorry, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. He says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent, all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election and election. For if you practice these things, these qualities, you will never stumble. Look a little bit further down in verse 14. Be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. I know that we, we see the, many of the other words maybe first, but I think the first word we ought to be seeing is the, the repetitious word, and that's the word diligence. That's what Peter's second letter, more than anything else, is about. Be diligent. Be diligent. Be diligent. He repeats it in this letter. But what does diligence consist of? Well, that's where these secondary words come in. What does he mean by diligence? Peter, how do we become diligent? Well, he doesn't leave that without just tremendous answer. Over and over again, he answers this throughout this this epistle. What does diligence consist of? What things, Peter, should we be sure to be diligent in our life? Well, let's read from 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to read the first 11 verses there, and then we'll talk about those verses a little bit uh, before we conclude this morning. So 2 Peter chapter 1, read along with me, beginning there at verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained uh, a faith of equal standing with ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement to your faith, uh, to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever lacks these qualities is also nearsighted and even to blindness. Having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins, therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Peter urges us to recognize some very key words in this text. Whoever lacks these things, he says, is is blind ultimately he goes on to say whoever is whoever is diligent in confirming these things is richly provided entrance into the eternal kingdom of our god 
want you to notice Peter describes himself in verse 1 as a servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Well, that is no surprise to us. Uh, Even non-religious people would recognize Peter as an apostle of Jesus Christ. But what is a surprise is how he describes those who are reading this epistle. Did you notice that? To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours. When we consider the faith of, of Peter, we may say, well, we could never have standing like the Apostle Peter. He's an icon to our faith, isn't he? I mean, I, 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 I read and think of Peter, and personally, I, I really, he, he is endeared to me more than any of the other apostles, really. How is it that we could ever be like the Apostle Peter? Peter says you can't. Now that's the important part of this this whole discussion here. Of equal faith to the apostles. Well, does that describe you and me? Would we say that describes us? I'm not talking about an overemphasis on humility. Well, you know, I'm humble enough that I'm not nearly like the apostles could be in my faith. No, I'm I'm being serious. I'm not saying let's put on a facade. I'm saying when we look at ourselves in the faith, are we we considering the fact that God, when He looks at us, as He compares us to the apostles, we are just as important in the kingdom as they were. I didn't say we had the same work. I said we were just as valued. Just as important to God, in the sight of God. Our soul is just as important as the soul of Peter or Paul or the other apostles that we have record of who are tremendous assets to the kingdom. Are you and I an asset to the kingdom? Peter is saying that we should think of ourselves that way. And if it is that you find yourself this morning not thinking in those terms, then you most of all need what Peter is teaching you this morning from this text. These are the things that make us of equal value in the sight of God, in the kingdom of God. I want to be stronger. I want to be more faithful. I want to be more productive in the kingdom of God. That's that's admirable and it should be in our minds. How do I do it? Well, I don't know. I guess, you know, does it have to do with attending every service? Does it have to do with listening to the right programs on TV? What does it have to do with? Well, that's what this text is all about. This is what it has to do with. And these are very vital things to make that happen in a person's life, no matter who we are. Whether we're a new Christian, whether we're a middle-aged Christian, spiritually speaking, or an old spiritual Christian. These are the ways that we continue to progress in the sight of God. It's not by our genius. It's not by our efforts. These are very encouraging things to know. It's not by our knowledge. It's not by our strength alone. Certainly, we know it is by the righteousness of our God. Verses 1 and 2 of this text. By the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. I want you to notice verses 3 and 4 of this text as well. Notice how it is that it is by God through Christ, His divine power has been granted to us, or has granted to us, all things that pertain to life and godliness, he says. And that we are called according to His own glory and excellence. 
You see, that is an emphasis for you and I to clearly understand, brothers and sisters, that it is not in our power, it is not by our own efforts alone that we become children of God who are of equal standing with people like the apostles. It is in fact by God's power and by God's calling. And we all fall into that category if we're faithful to Him. Everything has been supplied to take our life from what is eternally futile to what is eternally useful to God. From what is fruitless to what is fruitfulness in the sight of God. Notice Peter's exalted statements here about God's generosity in our life. Did you see that? Again, verses 3 and 4. He has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. What did He do? He granted all things. Verse 3 again, He's called us to His own glory and excellence. We're with Him in these things. And verse 4, He has granted to us His precious and very great promises. Well, that's a lot that God has done. That's a lot. Brothers and sisters, let's never doubt the goodness of God. When a benevolent and overwhelming, what a, what a benevolent and overwhelming, generous God we serve. Since we're talking about our part here in the church, uh, may I bring this down to where rubber meets the road for just a quick moment, and then we'll move on. When we struggle, if we struggle, when we struggle, as we all probably sometimes do, to sing songs of overflowing praise with a joyful noise to the Lord. You know, when the Psalms talk about a joyful noise, you know that's the opposite of mumbling. It's like a noise, you know. When we struggle at that, we need to see what Peter's talking about here. When I struggle to pray from the heart more than just rote things, but my, my mind is engaged, my heart is engaged when I struggle with that. When we sometimes fail to realign ourselves at His table of communion, as Brother Zach talked about this morning, I evaluate myself, I, I ask forgiveness where forgiveness is needed, and I come in line again with God so that I can partake in a way that He says is a right way that will not cause detriment to me, but rather health to me. And when I fail to desire to hear and to study the pure Word of God, when worship becomes ho-hum because I've done it over and over from week to week in my life, when I feel this way, when we begin to doubt God's goodness and mercy in asking us to be who we should be, to do the things that we should do, and in whether it's in my life or in the church, uh, when I feel lukewarm and when I may even feel a tinge of rebellion, defiant toward God, I want to say to you, brothers and sisters, it is not because God has in some way shorted me or you. It is not because He has abused us in some way. Certainly not because He abandons us. When we have a difficult time exalting, praising, and serving God, Peter says, it is because we have, this is a key word, forgotten. We have forgotten how truly blessed, how honored we are, and how truly benevolent our God is toward each and every single one of us. Look there in verses 2-4, through four, Peter seeks to bring us then with that realization 
to our knees to thank and praise our great God. There's no mistaking this. Look at the end of verse 4. We have, he says, escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. You know, the Apostle John agrees with this in a, in a large way. Looking at uh, the, the Apostle John's writings in uh, 1 John. Well, let me see. Let me get back over there. I thought I had it here. Maybe I don't. That's fine. 1 John chapter 2. Look down with me at verse 16 of our text. 1 John chapter 2. Uh, verse 16, not the gospel of John, but the letter of John toward the back of your, of your New Testament. He says, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the father, but is from the world and the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Now think about that for a moment. What he's teaching us in that text is to give thanks. Give thanks. There it is. Give thanks. Why? By Him we become partakers of divine nature. By Him we have escaped the corruption that is in the world. And we know the corruption of the world results in death. So in other words, life. He's given us. And instead we are granted the very great and precious promises of God, among which... Our reading here in 1 John tells us is to abide forever. You and I will abide without end. To abide forever. Peter and John are teaching us, ladies and gentlemen, that our divine directive from God is to appreciate all that God has done and is doing and to never, ever forget that in our life. Why? Because it dictates how we live, how we think, what's really important to us in our life. It changes everything. That's the reason. And that's what he's going to talk about from here on out. Action. Look at verses 5 through 7 of our text again. Through God's goodness, we are rescued. And so Peter asks, well, what should be our response? Well, maybe that's what we should have. What should be our response? And Peter says, well, here's the response you should have in a life that is thankful to God for all that God has done for you. And so verses 5 through 7, for this very reason, for this reason, make every effort, your, your version may say, may say to add, or my version says to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. I want you to notice the first word there, though, uh, that we take note of together this morning in verse five, and that's the word add or or supplement, supplement. How many of us believe in supplements? If you take supplements every day, raise your hand. I just am curious. It's, it's not going to send you to heaven or hell, believe me. <laughs> I, I take supplements every, every day, almost every day. And uh, what I noticed actually when I asked that question and you raised your hand, apparently it's only us old people that think that's needful. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I'm probably safe in guessing that we don't, the, the people who don't take supplements, those of us who don't take supplements, probably don't take it because they don't think there's worth much to it. It's just, it's, it's just maybe it's not really true that what they say about supplements. 
And that's probably true for a lot of supplements. Over the years, my vitamin intake has gone from something like vitamin C when I have a sore throat to like a hand, literally a handful, like 15 supplements and vitamins. Uh, and the amazing thing is I can take all of those with one swallow. That is a professional vitamin taker, I'll tell you that. But these, these supplements that I take, they're four different things. They're for cholesterol, for example. They're for blood pressure. They're for skin. They're for energy level. That's a big one. Uh, and they're for memory. That's another big one. I even take a vitamin for my vitamins, I think. <laughs> supplements are the things that complete what is deficient or lacking. Now, here's something to keep in mind that when Paul, when Peter uses the word supplement with reference to the words we're about to look at, he's saying you don't you haven't arrived. You are you are in need full of taking these in supplementing who it is you currently are, how it is you're currently living, what it is that's currently important in your life. And I think that's a great point for us to all understand. No matter where we are in regard to the, to, the, uh, to, the, to the words that he's about to use and the application of those words, Nate Fritz can always become better than I was yesterday. And that's true for you as well. That we never stop growing. We never arrive. We never come to a place in our life where we say, I'm good enough as a child of God. I'm good enough as a part of God's family, the church. He's desiring to push us on, remember? Be diligent. Be diligent. Even more diligent, he says. What does your faith mean? Without the supplement of works. Well, I know in your mind, maybe already you're ahead of me in that. And you go, well, James chapter 2 talks about how faith without works is dead. That's exactly what Peter's getting at. If we understand that concept, we'll understand what Peter is talking about. In our text of 2 Peter, Peter is saying our faith must be supplemented to live, thrive, and be truly useful. And we want it to be. Why? Because of all that God has done and provided for us. That's why, in short. So what are the dictated spiritual supplements necessary to make us effective and faithful? According to verse 8 of your text, you notice he even uses those exact words. Effective or fruitful. That should be our desire. Let's quickly notice some of these and then we'll conclude this morning. The first of those is this idea of virtue. It is a word that implies courage. Courage to do what one knows is the right thing to do. And it places emphasis on one's inter, inner disposition, not just outward. Our inner disposition. The word knowledge, that which is gained by observation and study of what God says. Self-control. It isn't money. It isn't sex. It isn't power. It isn't drugs. It isn't, it isn't other habits. It's not work. It's not our hobby. Self-control means maintaining a level of clear and most important purpose in our life. Sometimes those other things get confused in our head. And we start living for things that are not important. Some of them should not even exist in our life at all. Self-control is not a me-first mentality. It is a him-first mentality. 
personal steadfastness. And probably of all of these, these are the ones I, this is the one I center on probably the most, at least in my, uh, in, from my perspective. It indicates one who is opposite of a quitter. I can overcome anything, ladies and gentlemen, with the help of God if I just don't quit. This is the opposite of a quitter. Supplement your faith with steadfastness or, or maybe your version says perseverance. You know, uh, would it make sense if steadfastness is a supplement to our faith, then would quitting be an anti-supplement to our faith? I mean, would that, would that be then the person who is destined to quit because they're refusing to supply a non-quit attitude in their life? As most things around us seem to try to push us away from Christ, we endure, we remain steadfast, we persevere. When we fail, as, as we all do, everybody, all of us understand Christianity is not about being perfect except through the sight of God. The truth is, we recognize the fact that we fail. If it weren't for forgiveness, we would be lost because of our failures. But even in our failures, we recommit and we don't quit. When we get knocked down and, and we look up at that point to the Father, His people, we look to them, the church. These are sources that help us regain our footing again. We, get, we, we regain strength and we go on in perseverance or steadfastness. When we feel self-defeating because of sin in our life, we rejoice for God's love and mercy, His forgiveness. And we are therefore renewed day by day. Uh, the, the Corinthian writer, Paul, in 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says, says it this way, and if I could just paraphrase for sake of time, we may feel afflicted, but we are not crushed. The Christian may be perplexed about things. Maybe there's answers we don't know. Maybe there's things that we don't understand fully. We are not driven to despair by that. We are suffering when, it, when the times comes where we suffer persecution. We know that we are not forsaken by God. And when we feel struck down in our steadfastness, we know that we are not destroyed because we are on God's side. And it isn't the other way around, brothers and sisters. We are with Him, steadfast, determined. Because getting back up and rejecting despair and believing in God's unwillingness to forsake us is what the great supplement called steadfastness will do for us. That's intentional. It's one of the strongest supplements to our faith. And of course, if you want more on that, just start reading the Psalms. They're just chock full of the supplement called steadfastness. He'll help us. Look at the next supplement listed by Peter there, and it's godliness, the desire to look more like Him in our choices, to be godly. Whose approval matters most in your life and in mine? Maybe when we get to thinking about what the world thinks of us and what friends or family who are not Christians think about us, Maybe we should consider spending less energy concerned what others think or might think and more energy being just exactly what God tells us to be. Wouldn't that be better for God's cause? Because that's what godliness really is all about. 
It's not how we look, brothers and sisters. It's who we are. And then he uses the term brotherly affection. And we've spent some time in the past talking about that. I just briefly touch on it here together. Romans chapter 12, verses 15 and 16 tell us, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. I am so thankful and often encouraged. Hopefully I display that encouragement toward others as well. With the supplement that exists right here in this family called brotherly affection. What a great supplement that is. And how necessary in your life and in mine. Not only to receive it, but to give it. And then finally, Peter says, to, uh, to your brotherly affection, add love. And he uses here uh, the Greek word apageo, which is a, is a form of this idea uh, that we often talk about. Uh, the, the overall uh, large view of God's love that uh, even loves people who don't deserve, <clears throat> pardon me, who don't deserve His love. And it's, that's what we're being told to implement into our lives. It's the kind of love that keeps Jesus on the cross when we look at Him. In fact, it's the, the kind of love upon which something becomes everything. I want you to think on that for a moment. I'm not really overemphasizing this idea from the Scriptures. Without this, everything actually means absolutely nothing that you and I may possess. Without this element, Paul would tell us that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We sung about that this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, look there at verse 1 with me. Paul says, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. What does that mean? Uh, we might just paraphrase that by saying that means that, uh, that I produce nothing of any value. And then he says in verse 2, if I, pro- if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am, I am nothing. And verse 3, if I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. So in essence, what he says there are are three things with regard to love. If I don't have it, I produce nothing. If I don't have it, I am nothing. And if I don't have it, I gain nothing. In those short little three verses. What a list it is that Peter gives us in in 2 Peter chapter 1. As God's divine directive for His church. If Peter had not prefaced all of this with verse 3, I don't know what we could do. I would feel hopelessly lost, wouldn't you? But verse 3 tells us, God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You know what that means? That means we can do it through His work. As we rely more on Him, He institutes more of these things into our life. And without that statement, it would be hopeless. Accompanied by God's promise and God's presence, we can take Peter's sermon to heart. We can begin implying each one of these things in a way that's effective for us and for God. Every passing day. Look there verse 8 as we close up this morning. He says in verse 8, if these qualities are yours... And increasing, then they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful 
in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to take the time to reflect on how you can grow in your maturity this week. Think on some of these things and begin working more diligently even on some of these things, applying supplements to your spiritual life as he talks about here. It begins with acknowledging what you know first about Jesus, that He died so that we could live. That produces thanks, overwhelming thanks, as nothing else can. But it also deserves a response. That response quickly moves into devotion in ways that we've looked at this morning. And it ends in an eternal relationship with God that never ceases to exist. Doesn't that sound great? Isn't that what we're all hunting for? Isn't that what we all are desiring? This is the way to do it, Peter says. It's going to take time. It's going to take energy. It's going to take commitment. It also takes the help of God's family. And certainly, as we've already talked about, it takes the help of God Himself. But it is absolutely within our grasp. The investment that we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, the investment renders to us dividends that are equal to nothing else that we could ever comprehend. <laughs> Directives for a healthy growing church direct from the letter of Peter himself. Maybe it is that you have yet to commit to the Lord in your life. There's, there's no reason for you, anyone to leave here this morning uncommitted to God. Just consider what He's done for you. No one has treated you the way He has treated you. No one has loved you as much as He's loved you. And no one has given His life for someone who is lost as He has. Or maybe it is that you find yourself one who has grown lukewarm. Uh, let me say to you, brother or sister, don't leave here this morning in that state. doesn't mean you have to come forward. Maybe that is what you want to do. That's fine. We pray for you. We'll, we'll work in any way we can to build and uplift you. But here's what God is looking for, a heart that is turned to Him. And if you need to rededicate your heart this morning, won't you do that? In any way we can help you, fine. If it's right there in your pew, as long as your life changes from that which is lukewarm to that which is on fire for God. That's what God is looking for. If you're subject to His call this morning, won't you respond to that while together we stand and as we sing.